Hey, are you looking for new and innovative ways to connect with your children? Do you want to learn how to connect with them through hip-hop, social media, and popular culture? Then look no further than my company, The Glad Dad. I'm Dion, a keynote speaker, professional development trainer, and workshop presenter. And I'm also an expert in family engagement. And I want to show you and everyone around you how to use the latest trends to connect with young people on a much deeper level. A level that will truly break down barriers and create change. By working with The Glad Dad, you'll learn how to break through the noise and meet young people where they are to connect with them on their level. You'll discover new ways to communicate, engage, and create meaningful connections that'll last a lifetime. Whether you're a parent, teacher, or youth leader, I want to teach you the strategies that'll help you connect with your kids like never before. From keynote speeches to professional development training, I got you covered. So don't wait any longer. Visit my website, DionChavis.com today to learn more about how I can help you connect with your children through hip-hop, social media, and popular culture. Your kids will thank you for it. That's right, The Glad Dad, helping adults establish positive relationships with young people. Reach out to me today and let's discuss how I can serve you and your staff. Now let's get back to the podcast. Hey, y'all, what's up? Welcome to the latest episode of the Dads in the Class podcast. Of course, you know me, your host, Dion the Glad Dad. This is the podcast where we discuss fatherhood engagement uh, and family engagement and education. This is episode number five, y'all. They didn't think we would make it this far, but we made it uh, another episode. Got another dope guest for us to uh, sit and talk with and just talk about his journey and talk about uh, how important education is to him and how important it is. Uh, for him to be in, involved in the education of young people. This is somebody that I've known for uh, a very long time, uh, somebody who has been a mentor to me, a brother to me, uh, a confidant. Uh, you know, there's been times when I've got 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 ready to do something that was crazy and he just kind of pulled me back by the leash. So I uh, <laughs> definitely want to have him on the podcast because he is doing some really, really great things. And he is um, just somebody that I think is important that we have a conversation with. So I want to introduce uh, Mr. Pizzo Johnson to the Glad Dad Podcast. What's up, Pizzo? Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me for the Glad Dad Podcast, bro. Yeah, That's man. Good. Glad you could be here. I think it's it's long overdue, so I'm glad you could be um, here with us in this position and in this space to just, just kind of talk about how we can engage our young folks uh, in education. And I know that you're doing some really, really great work. Um, I know you have been doing really, really great work for a very long time, but one of the things that you're doing now is uh, focusing on uh, your pain on paper uh, pop program, which is, you know, something that's really, really so amazing. We'll get into details on what it is, but I want to first start talking to you about your journey from um, being a radio personality. And let me say, cause a lot of people in this space don't know that, <laughs> that I did radio for 20 years. So a lot of people see me in these, in these, in these um, podcasts and only, they don't have any idea that I've been in radio. I did radio for 20 years and this is how Pizzo and I met. Uh, when I was just a rookie in radio, he actually taught me a lot of the game. Uh, but just as someone who was a radio personality to now uh, being the founder of the pop program. And, you know, I know it's something that is inspiring. It is something that is uh, a passion of yours. But I want you to share what kind of ignited that passion uh, for you to start working with at-risk youth. I think it's just because I could relate. And you know what? My first my first job is right in your backyard. I was um, working at what juveniles over at Butner. Mm. So uh, I had a I had a friend, or uh, he was like a mentor. Um, two of them actually, I think it was Frank uh, that played football for North Carolina Central University. I was a uh, player as well. They were older though, and I think my man Tennessee, rest in peace. Um, but they were work. I think Frank was working over at Butner at the time. And then um, one of my good friends, uh, Derek Boone, who got killed um, in Durham, got shot and killed in Durham. And um, they just asked me to kind of come over there because they knew I was in a dark place at that time. So they asked me to come over and um, kind of like talk to the kids. And I did. And when I when I came over and talked to the kids, man, they just related to me so well that he was like, man, they want you to come back. And I came back. Then I eventually started working there as a counselor. Mm. 
And that's where my journey kind of began. But at the same time, I was um, just starting my journey in radio as well. So, you know, I worked at Butner for a little, for a while, a couple of years, maybe two years. And then I um, followed my career to into Florida radio. Mm, mm, mm. Now, the name of the organization, Pain on Paper, is quite, um, you know, it's like it's a captivating name, right? Tell me the story behind the name of uh, Pain on Paper and how does it kind of uh, speak to what your organization does? Well, actually, the name kind of started out as Poems Over Pistols. Mm. Um, that's where Pop come from. Uh, that was the first name. And um, I, I had a uh, presentation for Clayton County. And I did very well. And one of the um, administrators pulled me to the side after it was over and was saying, he said, listen, he said, you got a great product concept. It's really good, man. Uh, we love it, but you need to change. You need to take that pistol out your name. Hmm. So, you know, at first I was like, nah, that's that's what we do. Because we were, that was in 09. We was really seeing the um the trend of gun violence so you know i kind of wanted to stick to to that but then as the little time went on i was like you know what he's right and that's what birth pain on paper so it was a uh, poems or pistol slash pain on paper for a minute so i just really focused it on pain on paper pop mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now give, give us um an idea of what pain on paper actually looks like what what is included in the program and what is it exactly that you do with um, the the pop program? So our overall mission is basically to um, help decrease the gun violence, but also teach emotional intelligence, anger management, conflict resolution. And what we do is we have five channels. We call them the pop channels. These are the five creative channels that that youth can use to be able to, you know, um, redirect some of that pain and that trauma and that and that anxiety and that depression into a rap, art, poem, song, or short story, which spells out raps. And what we do is we teach these different channels, and they can be able to put those feelings and and, and all that anxiety or what like I said, depression into one of these channels. And we teach these channels and through these channels, we teach um, things like um, self-surveillance. Uh, that's a, a, a term that we came up with years ago. Self-surveillance is basically when you get into a situation where you are overload or at a crisis and you're ready to do something impulsive, you start recording yourself. You turn on a red button and you record yourself as you you know, before you make a move. So we we really focus on trying to get kids not to have impulsive behavior. That's mm-hmm. our thing. Mm-hmm. Like impulsive behavior is really the cancer, really the thing that's really hurting our community across the board, just making mm-hmm. impulsive decisions. So, you know, when we, when we create these um, different channels, and they can put those days, those feelings in, like, because a lot of them had that anger or that that one thing that probably caused the anger. Once they discover that and put it into a creative form, and then they start listening to themselves, because when they when they write it, we also record it. So I have producers, I have a team of producers that come in and we record their composition, whether it be a poem, whether it be a rap, whether it be a song, maybe a short story, they record them. And then we add music to it. And um, we take those pieces and compositions and we sit down with the parent or the guardian and the kid and we discover what is the underlying problem that's causing this kid to either act out or to have impulsive behavior or to just be angry. So it's, it sounds like the work that you're doing aligns with um, some of the competencies for social emotional learning, uh, yes. things like self-regulation, things like that. Um, how how in your experience, how does channeling emotions into creative expressions, um, how does that impact the mental well-being of a young person? 
Well, see, at first, you know, a lot of kids don't understand their emotions. They don't know what emotions trigger feelings, you know. So we have an emotional emotion will that we we have in the curriculum where they can see the different emotions and then the feelings that come that go and coincides with that particular emotion. But once they tap into understanding their emotional and they learn more about social emotional learning, um, they be they be be better in making better decisions and not impulsive decisions. So, you know, if it's anything that they can learn that we want them to learn is not to be impulsive and how to be able to take a couple of seconds to make a sound decision. And if we can just get that, then I feel that we are winning. But I don't know, did, did I answer your question? Was you want it? Uh, well, I mean, let, just just dive a little bit deeper into um, just the, the the creative expression pieces. So if if a young person is interested in, let's say, rap, if they're interested in poetry, like how will it how will it um, impact their their mental health, so to speak? Right. By by being able to put that pain on paper, they're expressing it. See, a lot of times they got these feelings. They don't express it. They don't they don't even. Mm-hmm want to touch on them. They don't even want to talk to nobody about them. But see, once you know, that's the that's the bait. The music and the creative uh, outlets are the bait for them to be able to express themselves and really let you know what's really going on inside. So if they're writing a rap and they're writing a rap about, you know, adults, and then they write this rap about adults, what they don't like about adults. And they put in, you know, I don't like adults because maybe I was touched by an adult. You know what I'm saying? So now you mm-hmm. get that underlying problem that's really the nucleus of those negative behaviors is coming from that. So when they when they're able to express themselves and tap into those different uh, feelings that they don't really express to no one else, they're getting it out. So therefore, it's helping their mental when they're doing that. Mm-hmm. Pizza, what, what would you say should be the biggest concern? Cause you and I are both parents and you know, we, we have, uh, we have dad conversations sometimes about our, our kids and we know um, the struggles that a lot of our kids are facing. And, you know, you and I have been talking about the impact of, of music on these kids for probably the last 15 years or, or, or more. Uh, but, I want you to talk to the parent who might not know what's going on with their child. And what would you say is the biggest, um, the biggest threat to our young people and their mental health right now? Video games. Mm -hmm. I think, I think video games uh, really captures a lot of the kids attention Mm-hmm. And um, now, you know, and, and I think the video game industry understands that this is happening. So they want to also bring in the music because now you can download the music to the video game and you can listen while you're playing. Mm-hmm. So I think the video games is one of the main ingredients to really um captivate our kids in a in in a you know positive way negative way and in a positive way uh you know is video games and social media mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. social media is one of the, the contrib- one of the things that is really causing a lot of the kids to you know really act out or pick up other behaviors that they really wasn't exposed to Mm-hmm. But if they're seeing it on social media, you know, they they're exposed to it, and then you know, they they you know put it into their their behavior uh, toolbox. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't I don't think I think it's safe to say that neither of those things are going anywhere, right? Video games have been around since you and I were kids. It's funny, my son was playing uh, Roblox the other day, and it it dawned on me. Um, that when I was a kid, you know, we, we would play duck hunt on Nintendo. I don't know if you're old enough to remember duck hunt, Pizzo. Um, you're a young man. Yeah. Um, 
on Nintendo and 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 that in in Duck Hunt we actually were taking a gun and putting it up to the TV screen mm-hmm. and shooting and shooting the ducks and and killing the ducks. Now granted that you know that's totally different than what they have now, but when we when we think about those seeds being planted 30 40 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and things only getting worse over time. I think now, of course, we have more information and we have more um, resources. But you know, I don't think this is anything new. I think I think when you when you look back at it, I think that this is something that has been um, going on for a while, right? Because it, at that time, I remember when I first got my Nintendo, I was six years old, and Duck Hunt was the first game that I got, and I remember using the gun. Now it didn't you know, make me want to go out and, 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 and commit a crime or do anything like that as I got older, but that was, that was still a seed that was being, that was being planted. So, um, in terms of social media, I think that, um, you're, you're, you're spot on on both of those points. Um, both of those issues, uh, are issues that, that we are going to have to address, but I don't think they're going anywhere. So I want to ask you, what are some strategies that you think uh, parents and teachers can put in place to kind of counteract the effects of um, video games, social media, music, all of these things that we that we see are having a huge impact on our kids. Get the pop program. Paint on <laughs> program. I mean, you know, just like you were talking about Dunn hunting, we didn't have nothing like Grand Theft Auto, GTA. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I first seen a kid playing GTA, I said, "Man, that's the manual to 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 being a crook. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it show you how to break in the car and show you how to go in and you know breaking in somebody's house, shooting people, robbing. It was I was really blown away when I first seen that. So you know, and it has a radio station that's playing the latest music. So it's really giving them the you know, the manual to it all. But, uh, you know, I don't, you know, parents just have to be more aware of what their kids are taking in. Um, but it's almost like it's it's, it's going to be here, man. It's nothing that you can really do. The more that you try to discourage a kid not to play it, you're giving them the, you're encouraging them because when you tell them not to, there's you're encouraging them to do it even more. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, bro. You know, that's a that's a real good question. You know what I mean? I want to throw it back at you. What you think? Um, well, you know, I, I, I'm someone who has um, experienced raising a teenager. Right. So my daughter is 19 and, you know, my son is five. Um, so I think one of the one of the things that was always important to me was open communication. Mm. Right. Because I was always of the belief that, like you said, you're not going to stop them from exploring certain things because as long as they have some sort of device, some sort of technology, there's going to be access to something that you don't agree with. Mm -hmm. Um, But open and honest communication, constant dialogue. Um, When my daughter was, was, was young, um, I would always have conversations with her about things that were going on. So like when the movie uh, what was it? the Netflix show, like 28 reasons why, whatever it's called the, the, the show that was about suicide mm. um, that came along when my daughter was at a very, you know, having some, some, some mental health challenges of her own. Mm-hmm. So I took that as, as an opportunity to start having conversations with her about mental health and about suicide and, 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 and just letting her know that she had an outlet if she ever needed to have a conversation. Um, because again, at, in, in, in this, age of technology there's nothing that you can do uh unless you're going to strip them of their cell phone and give them a little flip phone which you know i've heard some parents say they do that but when they go to school they got chromebooks they got uh laptops they got all of this same technology at school i saw something the other day that said that now the kids are bringing their old phones to school to let their friends who might not have access to the internet or might not have access to a phone use their fault, like just use the Wi-Fi and just hop on the Wi-Fi and, you know, and do that thing. Right. So I think for me, open communication and also just, you know, living by example, man, just, you know, being an example and not just talking to talk, but walking the walk and, you know, being a reflection to your kids of what you want them to look like. 
I think that's really the one of the only ways that we're going to counteract a lot of the things that we're seeing and um, just instilling those values in them and letting them know that that the things that they see um, in these video games and they hear in these, these 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 music videos like it's not real. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I, I I've always told my daughter, like, it ain't real, like not real. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I hope I did a good job. Like we 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 well, yeah, 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 I did a great. She going to auntie. Yes, yeah, Aggie Price. She had auntie. So I, mean, um, yeah, I don't know if you've been doing a good job. Then you might have been doing a horrible job because you know, <laughs> she, she didn't want to go to Central. Man. She, Central so you know, we she don't did not want to go to Central. She, I'm sorry, I, I hate to be, I hate to disappoint you, but she was not trying to go to Central. She had her mindset that she was getting up out of here. She was getting up out of the triangle. I don't know. This <laughs> is. No, nah, that's, I mean, you know, um, I think you did an outstanding job, bro, you know, to be able to get your daughter, you know, in college and, yeah, you know, you, you know, from, you know, early on, when we both were having challenges, you know, with, you know, with our situations and mm-hmm. stay positive, you stay focused and, and, and look at, look at the fruit. So um, that's, that's a major plus for you, man. I'm proud of you on that. Seriously. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, your brother. So let's talk, let's talk about fatherhood a little bit. You as a father, um, you you have a daughter as well. Mm-hmm. How do you see um the work that you do with the pop program uh intersecting with uh your life as a dad? Well, you know, you know, my 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 situation has been very different, you know, I, uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I moved back to Virginia to um, have a kidney transplant surgery to get my mom a kidney. And so um, it took it it took me about two years, a year and a half to actually to have the kidney, because every time we was planning to go, you know, something was going on with her blood count or, you know, it's. Uh, a blood pressure or different things. So it took us like a year and a half, but I ended up staying for about five years. So, you know, um, she would come some summers to to Virginia from Atlanta and or, or come and spend some time with her, go with daddy, daughter dance and stuff like that. But, you know, um, it's interesting because it's almost like I she's she anticipating me coming at her with the principles of pop, so I try to kind of fall back a little bit, and, and you know I don't I don't do as much of the things that I do with pop. Now she's only twelve, so once she become a, a, a official teenager, maybe that's when it it all kick in. But right now, um. I have to take a different approach. I use some of the methods, but I use them in a different way. Mm, mm, mm. Um, let, let's talk about schools because you have told me um, success stories of the pop program. And, you know, we've talked about some of the work that you've done, but how do you explain to the teachers that are listening, explain to the, to the, to the school administrators, or listening or watching right now, how the pop program can be used in the classroom and why it's important. Well, how it can be used in the classroom? We have a curriculum. Uh, we have uh, different people uh, that can't. I have a committee. You know, was filled with doctors and music therapists and um, you know just uh, youth youth professionals who can design this this great curriculum. And so now we're shooting actual videos to kind of break down the different methods of the pop process. And I think this will work great in class because I'm a former teacher myself. And, you know, I understand that, you know, sometimes in class, you know, how videos can be used as a great instrument as getting kids attention and getting them engaged. And this is great because it's, it, it, it's music is a major component of the, the pop process. You know, being in the music industry for over 20 years, I use that and I use my counseling background. 
in what's so crazy is that in every market that I did radio, I was also a counselor at a juvenile detention center or a youth alcohol and drug center or a um, a teen homeless uh, shelter. So I've been in different, you know, different um, environments dealing with with youth. But when it when it comes to a teacher, how to use this program in a classroom is a great um, asset because we also have games in the curriculum, you know, word games in the curriculum. But it's also interesting because we have a portion in there it's called dissection, where we take a, a verse from a, a song and kind of get the interpretation from everybody. What do you think that artist was basically saying? Which is very interesting because everybody has their own different personal take or interpretation of what the artist is saying. So that caused the, you know, the dialogue between the teacher and the kid. And once you get kids to kind of uh, feel comfortable and having fun while feeling comfortable, they they engage more. So this is a very good engagement type of um, tool to use. And not only that, one in these compositions and drawings, you can you can read between the lines and kind of get a, a little bit of intel on what this kid may be going through. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you talked about your, your time in radio and you've been in several markets. I know South Carolina, Virginia, Atlanta, Florida. Um, and that's a that's an experience that you and I both share. Um, mm-hmm. but you and I also share the experiences of working, um, outside of radio and doing things outside of radio to be advocates, just like you advocate for youth. I've been advocating for fathers and for, uh, responsible parenting for the last 20 years or so. Um, and I, I think it's a very unique path, right? Especially for people who are, um, in radio, who are in entertainment, uh, or in media, I think it's an interesting journey because sometimes that can be hard to uh, to let go. So how do you think that your experiences in in the radio industry have shaped your uh, approach to youth advocacy? Well, like I said, you know, all the markets that I was working in, an exception of Florida, that I was working in in some sort of facility with youth. But I also had a, a a campaign here in Atlanta where I call um, Make It Rain in the Hood, where we would go out and uh, we would raise money. Well, first, when I first started it out, I basically would use my own money, but we would get artists and we would go pop up into certain areas of the city that may need it, like homeless areas. And we first started it out with Young Jock when he was really hot. And I got him to come out to a place called uh, Small Five Points. And we went out there and we gave away money. And then um, Shorty Low, we went back to Bankhead. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. People don't understand, man. Um, That dude right there was special. Um, So we went back to uh, Bankhead and we gave away. He gave away a lot of stuff, man. We gave away gift cards uh, from Walmart to money, so all, all kind of things. And um, Cujo from Goody Mob. Um, and the list goes on. But, you know, I had initiatives like that that I was already doing independently outside of the radio. So, you know, um, I love radio, but at the same time, I didn't let radio just take over my life and not just totally just into just radio. I was doing other things throughout my journey of um, being in radio. So that's, that's basically it. I didn't, I didn't let it just basically take over my whole life. I was doing other things. And then when I just, when I realized when I got laid off my first uh, layoff in Atlanta, hot 107.9, I was downsizing and I had wrote a lot of the curriculum, not a lot of it, but maybe like a little one third of the curriculum to the pop program throughout through the years. I didn't, I totally had forgot about it. And once I got back locked back in, it was a wrap. 
and I seen how effective it was because I was working at a group home and I saw how effective it was. And the group home owner, um, shout out to Miss Agay, um, uh, rest in peace to Uncle Nate. Um, they encouraged me to make it a real program. And so that's how I got started. Hmm. Now, you, you, we talked about going back to 2009 um, when you first had the idea for the pop program. How have you how, how have you seen the landscape change in terms of uh, the challenges that our young people are facing compared to when you first started? Well, social media wasn't as dominant as it as it is. It wasn't even out, I think, at the time when we started right. the program. And so, you know, MySpace. yeah, I think MySpace came when I came to Virginia. That's when I think MySpace mm-hmm. was. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it it wasn't really it wasn't really like as as popular. It probably was out, but not as popular. People wasn't dealing with it as much. But I think social media and just the Internet. You know what I'm saying? I think the internet, as it it grew, it brings in a, you know a lot of information and then just a lot of um, it could be a lot of noise. You know what I'm saying? If you're not really smart and if you're young, you can really fall into the internet and it take you other places. So you know, I think social media and the internet. I I agree, but also. I think we we will be remiss if we didn't speak to how the sound of music has changed. Ah, yeah, for sure. The 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 music has definitely changed. Mm-hmm. Um and I I think that things are acceptable now that were not <laughs> acceptable then. before. Um yeah. you know, and I you know, I'm 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 of the belief that um you know, rap music specifically um it's for the young people right mm-hmm. the popular music the pop the, the 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 music that you hear on the radio the commercial it's for the young people and i'm also of the belief that as you get older your mm-hmm. ears they should and they do become more conservative right that's that's just a fact right our our parents heard uh biggie and nick uh, uh biggie and lil kim and and Wu Tang, and they, what is this mess, right? But to us, it was, it was, it was golden. Um, <laughs> these young people now, they hear Sexy Red and uh, Twenty One Savage or whoever it might be, and to them, it's golden, right? But what, 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 what I take issue with is that there isn't enough balance. Mm. From the, from the from the from someone who worked in radio for a very long time, there isn't enough balance, mm. um, and I think that for 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 us to see a change, there's number one going to have to be more balance, um, and number two, I think that parents are going to have to have these conversations with their kids. Right? I tell I tell this story all of the time when. Uh, the boy uh, XXX then Station was shot and killed uh, some years back. I was speaking to a group of young people. My daughter was there with me. I had I made the announcement to them that he had been killed. Right. I told them. Uh, I've never seen a sadder group of kids in my life. But it wasn't until I had a conversation with my daughter that um I realized that the same way that we felt when Biggie was killed, the same way we felt when Tupac was killed is the exact same way they felt in that moment. Right. Mm -hmm. But this was an opportunity for me to have a conversation with her because I also realized that this was the first time that she had ever dealt with grief. Mm -hmm. Her first experience with grief came from losing a rapper that she adored. And I don't, I don't care who you are. That hurts. When Michael Jackson died, people hurt. When Prince died, people hurt. When these rappers, Juice World, and all of these rappers died, these kids hurt. And a lot of these rappers that they are listening to, um, the difference between now and 2009 or 2005 or 2003 
is that these rappers are rapping about their emotions. They're rapping about their own pain, but they're also rapping about self-medicating. And that's where it gets dangerous. Mm. Right? They're rapping about taking pills. They're rapping, they're making music about drinking lean. Mm, they're yeah. making music about having, uh, you know, sex with 10, 15 different men or women, right? Mm. And I think those are all just means of self-medicating. Those are means to hide the hurt that you're going through. And that's where it gets dangerous. Um, because our kids begin to think that when you have a problem, that that's how you deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I think as parents, we have to have those types of conversations with our young people and let them know how they can cope with some of the things that they're going through. Like, we don't know what it's like to be 15 and to have lived through COVID. Mm-hmm. Like I tell them all the time, like you can, I, I would not want to be a child, a teenager right now. Like, nah, I, I no way. Mm. But that's what that's what they live through. And it's totally different than our experiences. So I think it's important that we understand and that we that we give them grace um, in those areas, but also have those real conversations with them. You know, me, me and Young Thug had a conversation. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I want to I, I came to because I used to be in the studio with, you know, when there was getting really started as far as making his transition from being uh, somewhat local to kind of getting to that next step, the next level. And so he always, he, he was taking everything, you know, he was lean, whatever. But we had this conversation and I said, yo, I need, I need a favor from you. And he was like, what? I was like, I need you to come you know, talk to some kids, and da, da, da. He was like, no, man. And I was like, bro, come on, man. You know what I'm saying? So um, I got my guy Rip, you know, big up to my man Rip and DJ Scream, and Rip um, bought him, but I made sure that he wasn't hot or drunk or anything. Mm-hmm. And he came, and he he did it, you know, so that was, I, 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 he showed a lot of love just, you know, doing that alone, but, you know, the conversation uh, of, you know, how people self-medicate and why mm-hmm. was kind of interesting. And, and, you know, I had that conversation with a couple, couple of rappers because, you know, being in, in the music industry, that was, that was a fortune, it was fortunate because I was able to get some of the artists to come by and, and 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 talk to the kids, whether we was at a group home, where whether we was at a community center or whatever. But you know, it's like I said, with Shorty Love, rest in peace. You know, and Trinidad James and and Jeezy and you know different people. You know, talking to them about that is is um is quite interesting because they are really, really um, get caught caught up in the whole self medication thing and um. But why is that? Because they're expressing themselves through the music. Why do you think they still have to self-medicate? I, I think they don't understand. They've never been taught healthy um, coping mechanisms, mm. right? I, I, I think the, the, the music is something that a lot of times may come natural to some people. To some people, the music is just a hustle. But I think, you know, there's a, you and I both know, like when you're in the limelight, there's a lot that comes with that, right? There's a there's a lot that comes with that, and rappers ain't the first ones to fall into that trap. I mean, we saw we saw what happened with Whitney. We saw what happened with with mm-hmm. Michael. Like Michael had to take propofol just to go to sleep. You know what I mean? I think that's a level of um, that's a level of mental stress that most of us will never understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I think there's a lot of shame that comes with it. I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of guilt that comes with it. Like you said, a lot of these, a lot of these artists are dealing with things and traumas that have never been dealt with. Mm-hmm. And if you don't deal with those traumas, they're going to, they're going to express themselves one way or another. Right. And I think that, you know, these artists are at the end of the day, they're still regular people. Right. There's still some artists out there who might have been molested as a child. Right. There's still some artists out there who might have seen their father beat their mother. There's still yeah. some artists out there whose 
uh, parents were addicted to crack and gave them away when they were t- like that, that trauma don't go nowhere. Right. But if you don't know how to um, deal with that trauma, now all of a sudden you are a multimillionaire and you have access to every type of drug, you have access to every type of woman, every type of alcohol, whatever your vice is. If you're someone like Young Thug, you can you could touch it. And there's nobody around you that's going to tell you not to touch it because you are the breadwinner for 300 people. Mm-hmm. So they ain't going to say, hey, bro, you might want to put that lean down. They're going to give you some more lean. Right. <laughs> you know, and I think it's I think it's important again for um, for us as adults to express this to our babies. You know, I, I, I had the conversation with my daughter when Juice World passed away. Juice World was so. Like he, 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 his, his music reflected the pain that he was going through, but he was so hurt and in so much pain and so, and and so scarred that he was on a plane. And and instead of like thinking about what to do with the drugs that he had, he, he swallowed them. Mm. Like it, it was, it was that important to him. Like he didn't, he didn't overdose on purpose. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to get caught with the drugs, right? Like that's an that's an addiction, yeah. and that's somebody who's fighting what comes with having that addiction, and now he's now he's gone. Yeah, Mac Miller, yeah. Mac Miller, Mac mm-hmm. Miller, and I think you know the other conversation that we have to have with these kids is that you know this fentanyl is taking people out of here, mm-hmm. and, and 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 as parents we have to be sure that our babies know that. There's a possibility if you take the wrong drug, you can go to sleep and not wake up. Yeah, for sure. You know, the yeah. weed that they are selling now it's different than this. Ain't the chronic? Like this ain't this ain't chocolate tie. This ain't. It's different. Different. It's really different. It's different. So I, you know, those conversations are important, man. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just agreeing with you that it's, it's definitely different. Um, mm-hmm. You sound like a professor now, man. What's what's up? Is, is, this, is this the approach you try you taking right now? Is, uh, well, this is this is just this is what the dads in the class podcast is about, man. You know, we, <laughs> we, we you know we we, we want to be sure that folks really really know um, how important it is to connect with um, connect with these kids because we we we're in in jeopardy of losing a generation. That's why I'm so passionate, man. That's why I'm so passionate about, you know, what we're doing. Um, shout out to my board uh, of professionals who who are working dil- diligently with me to really get this out. I'm so passionate about it because we're losing our kids, man. You know, um, it's, it's getting really dangerous out here. Also, you know, you're just seeing so many negative behaviors that it's unreal. You sent me a video that was so disturbing. Um I, I I didn't I didn't like it. You know what I'm saying? Because of the behavior that the kid was displaying. But mm-hmm. this is where we are. And that's why I'm so passionate about you know pushing pop to that next level because I know from the the testimonies that I've got over the years of kids who I knew they was going to jail. Even the kids that are in jail, I get emails or DMs for some people who are in, in jail and they tell me, you know, like me moving back to Atlanta, I have multiple kids saying, Mr. Pizzo, you need to bring Pop back to Atlanta. Like we, we need it right now. Like, so this is nothing that um I envision. This is all organic. It came, you know, God blessed me with the idea. And um, I'm just as passionate about this as I was about radio. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I feel you. I feel you on that. And I and, and some some days I, I have moments when I see certain things that I, I, I really get down. But at the same time, I know this is going to be a fight. You know, we have to do something right now, you know what I mean? Because we're losing our kids in in a large number across the country. 
and you see all these different behaviors of kids running up in stores and uh, the 11 year old that just shot two two guys out the you know football, football right yeah the football mm-hmm. practice or game you know what I'm saying a six year old shooting his teacher in in school mm-hmm. so I mean this is this is where where we are so you know when you have um, you know programs and initiatives you know people need to get behind these things and help you know because it ain't easy at all and you know you have a you have a nonprofit. you're dealing with that you know it's not easy and you know sometimes what kills the passion for it is the struggle of trying to you know on a a shoestring budget trying to do these things that are helping other people so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. another thing that i think that we need to do is as a people we need to be sure that we are advocating for um, gun laws, right? Mm. Because I think we are seeing that things are not only, they're not just getting out of control. A lot of things are out of control Mm -hmm. and that the changes that we are looking for are a lot of times going to happen from a legislative level I had a brother on the show, um, Greer Webb, last week. He is actually down there with you um, in Atlanta, but he's here from North Carolina. Sharp brother, man. And we just talked about how important it is going to be for future generations to um, have these gun laws in place, right? Because there's no way that we can continue going the direction that we're going in, right? When you think about the first... Um, mass shooting at elementary school at Sandy Hook 10 years ago. Um, everyone was shocked and, you know, in awe when that shooting happened and those kindergartners and those teachers were, were shot and killed in that, in that school. Fast forward to now, I think Uvalde, uh, the shooting in Uvalde was last year, I believe. Um, but it seemed like there is a school shooting at least once every couple of months. Right. And it doesn't have that same shock effect on us as a society anymore because we've become immune to it. We're used to it. We're used to seeing the news and seeing young people on the on the news getting shot and killed. So I think it's going to take an effort of not just uh, people on the ground, people with, with, with grassroots efforts, but I also think it's going to take folks getting involved in politics. I think it's going to take folks getting involved in elections, local elections, um, deciding what judges are put in place. All of these things are going to have to change uh, if we if we want to see some real results, right? Because you can't do it by yourself. I can't do it by myself. Um, it's going to have to be a collective effort on all levels oh. if we want to see change right if we want to see um kids with less anger management i'm I'm sorry with less anger issues in school one of the issues could be that we need to be sure that fathers are engaged in the lives of their kids right because a lot of this anger is 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 because these kids don't feel like they're loved it's because they don't feel like there's anyone there to to give them the the love and support that they need so they're just going to take it out on the first thing that they see or the first person that they see. That's the main component. That's like what you're doing, like dealing with, you know, fathers and trying to get fathers, you know, back into their child's lives. That's, that's the main component that I, that I see that I witnessed over Mm -hmm. the years is that Mm -hmm. a lot of these kids are mad because their dad is not around Mm -hmm. and they might act like they are fine and everything is cool and all that. But that, inside of them is eating them alive mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of behaviors come from is when they don't have that guidance and uh, you know it's one it's one thing to you know uh, when you're, you're the mother raising the kid by herself that's fine but if you are you have to find some sort of mentor men that can come in and, and be able to help mentor the kid or something but just the absence of the father causes a lot of damage 
to the child and you don't even really realize it. So what you're doing is a great thing, man, when you're dealing with dads, you know what I mean? So big up to your initiative and what you're doing because that's the main component that I see as really causing the kids to be angry, impulsive behavior, and just having, you know, some mental health issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, thank you, great brother. Um, your Now, your career has been multifaceted and you have um, a very unique perspective. What advice would you give to parents, counselors, educators to actually build a bridge and connect and support at-risk youth? Well, we got to start really looking at grassroots initiatives. And Mm -hmm. I feel that we need to be more open-minded. I think that, you know, sometimes we get caught up in the letters, PhD, masters, all of that stuff. But a lot of times, you know, those people are great but they don't relate sometimes. And you, I think we need to really sit down and be open-minded about an unconventional style of being able to engage youth. You know what I mean? I think that sometimes, you know, and I have my bachelor's, but you know, I'm not that kind of guy who going to, yeah, this or that, you know, whatever about, you know, me, um, you know, having my bachelor's, but I think that really like, you know, when it comes to sitting down at a table with a collective of people, I think mm-hmm. everybody needs to be open-minded and not feel that their their theory is more better because they may have their PhD or master's or whatever than anybody else. I just really think that if we really care for the kids really care for, and I'm talking about sincerely care for the kids, then we need to, you know, put our, put our egos and pride to the side and be real open and open into different ideas. Mm. I agree. Um, what, what's next? What's next for the, for, uh, the pop program and how can the community get involved? Well, what's next for the, the pop program right now? We're working on the a series of, of videos that, that, that are going to go with the methods of the um, seven pop methods, seven methods of pop. And we, our next initiative, we're doing a, a camp during Thanksgiving. And we're doing it at the... Um, the Patchwork Studio, the legendary Patchwork Studio. So big up to Kirk. So what we're going to do on the Thanksgiving holidays, we're going to have like 30 youth come in and we're going to take them through the curriculum. And then we're going to record their compositions there at the studio. And then after we we do that, we're going to take their their, um, different compositions and make a compilation, but then we're gonna get the parent to come in and have a meeting with the, you know, the staff, the committee that we have. And like I said, take segments of that particular participant stuff and listen to it and then talk to the parent about what, you know, we see or hear in the music or we see in the drawings of what's going on with that particular kid. So we can get some sort of um, a communication um, type of, um, you know, agreeance between the, the child and the and the guardian. So mm-hmm. um, that's our next initiative to do. And we need we raising money to so we so the kids don't have to pay for it. So you know, um, if you can donate, please donate. You can go to painonpaper.com. Please leave a donation. Because, you know, Showtime can tell you, uh, Dion can tell you, um, I'm very passionate about this. And we know that you need passion to be able to, you know, relate to these kids, to, to let them know that you really love them and you love what you're doing. 
So if you can donate whatever you can, we're 501c3. You can be able to write it off on your taxes. Tax time is coming up soon. So please, if you can, just go to painonpaper.com and you'll see the donation button. And there's a lot of different things on, on the site. And just get familiar. Hmm. That's good. Lastly, last question. Um, our society seems to be very divided right now, um, especially around issues pertaining to our youth, um, pertaining to education, pertaining to social emotional learning, um, pertaining to a lot of the things that we've talked about um, in this episode. What message of hope and, and unity would you share with those folks who are striving for a better future for our young folks? Uh, <clears throat> put God first. You got to first and foremost start with God. If it is, if you don't include God into whatever you're doing, it's not going to work. And we just got to definitely pray, pray, and you know, give it to God, and just be, you know, open, you know, and 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 talk with talk with your child. It's hard. You know, when you're a parent and, you know, kids feel like they, they can't really relate to you. But there's, you know, there's different things that you can, you know, consider, you know. Um, like I said, you know, it's unconventional. The concept that we're doing is is not, you know, is, I feel like it will be at some point. But right now it's, it's not. So try unconventional things. And just, you know, the best thing I can tell you, man, is just put God into your mix. Mm. Mm. I like it. Uh, tell them your social media, Pizzo. Uh, you can, you can, my social media is Pizzo Johnson. That's P-E-1-Z, P-E-Z-O Johnson. You can check me out on there. You can check me out on Paint on Paper Pop on all social media. But more importantly, we need your help. Like go to go to paintonpaper.com and you know give a donation. We want to do this all over the country. We want we we've 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 done it in Virginia. We've you know what I mean? We've done it in North Carolina and Asheville, North Carolina, you know, and we've done it in and we're doing it in Atlanta and surrounding areas. So we want to be able to do this in a New Orleans, a DC, a Philly, where where mm. you see these different uh, um, situations with with guns and violence, I want to do them there. So the only way that we can really do it is that we need your support. So this mm. is this is the time when you can, if you feel and you're angry about certain things you see on the news, make a contribution to something that you know. Hey. I want to I want to try my because you, you, you're not really just giving us the money to be able to do these things, but you're giving us you're giving us the funds to help us to to be able to get the message out. But you also use is a tax write off. So, you know, why not? I mean, cool. is, is, is that but thank you for having me on the dad in the class. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just I'm just thankful for being on that. But you know what I mean? You gotta lighten up some man. You be look like a professor, you acting like a professor, you gotta lighten up, man. You I appreciate you, great brother. Thank you for coming on the show, man. It's been it's been a pleasure as always, man. We gotta have you back at some time to hear about uh just more of the great work that the uh paint on paper program is doing and just hear about a lot of the successes that you got going on. Uh, so we can bring you back soon, good brother. Man, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, man. And um, keep representing, man. That's all I can say. Yes, yes sir. All right. All right, y'all. Don't forget, uh, download the podcast, subscribe to it. Check us out on uh, all platforms, all DSPs. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to like it. And most importantly, just share it with somebody who you think could benefit from the podcast. We'll see you all on the next episode of Dads in the Class. Peace. Hey, are you looking for new and innovative ways to connect with your children? Do you want to learn how to connect with them through hip-hop, social media, and popular culture? Then look no further than my company, The Glad Dad. I'm Dion, a keynote speaker, professional development trainer, and workshop presenter. And I'm also an expert in family engagement. 
and I wanna show you and everyone around you how to use the latest trends to connect with young people on a much deeper level, a level that will truly break down barriers and create change. By working with the Glad Dad, you'll learn how to break through the noise and meet young people where they are to connect with them on their level. You'll discover new ways to communicate, engage, and create meaningful connections that'll last a lifetime. Whether you're a parent, teacher, or youth leader, I want to teach you the strategies that'll help you connect with your kids like never before. From keynote speeches to professional development training, I got you covered. So don't wait any longer. Visit my website, DionChavis.com today to learn more about how I can help you connect with your children through hip-hop, social media, and popular culture. Your kids will thank you for it. That's right, the Glad Dad, helping adults establish positive relationships with young people. Reach out to me today and let's discuss how I can serve you and your staff. Now let's get back to the podcast.